0: My name is Shannon. I am one of the pastors here at the SSV, and I'm so glad that you are here with us in person. Also, welcome to those of you who are watching online. It is so good to be with you in the house of the Lord today. So we are in the middle of a sermon series, Relationships Matter, and we're taking time to pinpoint some of the profound ways that relationships matter. It's in the title there. And as we consider our church's mission to love God and love people, we recognize that that's really all about relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. And as Gino likes to say, anything that we can do well, we can also do poorly. And so when it comes to relationships, it's often the case that our relationships define aspects of us living the good life. And by good life, I don't mean fancy cars and really nice homes, I mean success at living. Often this is seen through our relationships. In fact, research shows that relationships matter. Harvard Health Publishing writes this, social connections give us pleasure. They also influence our long-term health in ways every bit as powerful as adequate sleep, a good diet, and not smoking. Dozens of studies have shown that people who have satisfying relationships with family, friends, and their community are happier, have fewer health problems, and live longer. The study goes on to write that a relative lack of social ties is associated with depression and later life cognitive decline as well as with increased mortality. And they're not the only people that are talking about this. In another article published by the Greater Good Science Center at the University of California, Berkeley, their science writer says, one of the main stressors modern humans face with corresponding effects on our biological systems is loneliness. Loneliness has been found to increase cortisol and inflammation, both of which hurt our health over the long term. While stress and loneliness can cause negative changes to our biological systems, taking time to connect with others can help activate beneficial processes, such as the release of oxytocin. Oxytocin has been found to lower cortisol, it reduces pains, it changes the way our our brains respond to stress. This study goes on to write, and I thought this was so interesting, that hugs increase oxytocin levels. And so does eye contact. In fact, one study said that making eye contact with your dog can increase oxytocin. That's pretty crazy, right? I mean, I love this sort of information. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to research. But I think that research is so incredible. But as Christians, we know that we have a maker who hardwired these truths into our bodies. Like, meaning that God created our bodies to respond in certain ways. So he's not surprised by the research. He's not like, oh, that's pretty cool, right? Like, he designed us this way. And so in this sermon series, what we're doing is we're taking a look at the living word of God to see what truths he has to say about relationships. We've talked about healthy communication. And last week, Yvette talked about friendship. And this week, I want to focus in on work relationships, specifically who we are at work. Because the Bible has some things to say about work. Here's a quick rundown. Genesis 2.15 lets us know that work is God's design. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. We also know that our work ethic matters to God. Matthew 25.21 says, The Master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Ephesians 6.6 also says, try to please them as in your master all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. We also know that God has given each of us special skills and talents and gifts to use in the workplace. Romans 12.6 says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. And this isn't even to mention all of the Proverbs that speak to the importance of work and not being lazy. The Bible clearly has things to say about work. In fact, how we work matters to God. Before even talking about relationships at work, I think we need to get it straight in our head that how we work and that work in general matters to God. And he wants us to work with this in mind. And I think we can also see Uh, some of the answers in Colossians. Now the book of Colossians was written by Paul and he's talking to the church to encourage them. But what he starts to do in in Colossians chapter 3 is he starts to challenge them to focus on Jesus a little bit. And he says that these people here that are hearing his letter, they need to walk in their new humanity. And so he starts to give examples of how people should relate to each other. Husbands to wives, parenting children, all of that. And then he gives some advice in Colossians 3, verse 23. He says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. In many ways, I think that Colossians 3 describes this foundational element of how we interact in our position at work. Basically, this idea of understanding that we work for the Lord, that He is our true master. And this is helpful in keeping us on on a straight path, like with our heads in the right place. It guides our actions. It helps us set boundaries for what we will and will not do when it comes to work. So we square that away. But I also believe that God cares about how we show up in our relationships at work. Because God cares both about our work, our work ethic, for example, he also cares about our work relationships. But if we're honest we can sometimes come to church and act a certain way. We can come to church and we can act like Jesus-loving Christians and that's pretty appropriate. When you're at home, you can act a certain way too. You can do your Bible study in the morning, you can pray over your meals, you can do your quiet time. But sometimes work can feel a little disconnected. It can be disconnected from other aspects of our life in the way that we show up at work can be very different from our Sunday morning self. In fact, you may be very aware right now that your Sunday morning self might be a little different than your Monday morning work person. Let me give you an example. Uh, We've known the Maldonados for a long time. Uh, In fact, uh, Gino and I knew Jenny and David Jacob before they were the Maldonados. We knew David Jacob from college. Uh, he was in our small group when we lived in Champaign-Urbana. Um, I know them pretty well. I knew, you know, we've been around for them to have kids. Uh, I would call us fridge friends, which means that if I were to go over to their house, I would have no problem going to their fridge and getting what I wanted out of their fridge. And if they were to come to my house, I would have no problem with them going into my fridge and finding what they needed. I know their parents. I've had dinner with their parents, I've hung out with them, and their siblings, I know a lot about the Maldonados. But as I was considering this sermon this this week, I realized I don't know much about their work life. Like, I don't know what kind of person David Jacob is when he goes to work. I don't know his work friends. He could be a total jerk at work, and I wouldn't know. Now, I feel like I know him well enough to know that that's probably not the case. And I think sometimes we start to see worlds collide. For example, I also know Nikki Arsenault very well, and it just so happens that somebody she works with is a neighbor of mine. And so sometimes worlds collide, but for the most part, I would say as you consider your friends and your circles, that we might not know who our friends are when they are at work. And we have to admit that we likely spend a lot of our waking moments in our workspaces. It may be the place where you are the most. And how you relate to people there, with the foundational understanding that God cares about how you work, we must understand that relationships at work matter to God. And let's also acknowledge that in this room and watching online, we likely have a variety of professions and careers. Some of you work in professional buildings with lots of people. Others of you, you work from home and you haven't seen another human in the workspace in over two years. Some of you are stay-at-home parents, some are retired, some of you are unemployed. Some of us work in spaces where it's really easy to be a Christian. Others of you work in hostile work environments. Some of you have Bible studies in the mornings with your coworkers, and others of you pray all day long that nobody talks to you about your Christian faith. Our industries and our vocations, they vary greatly. And so I want to acknowledge that we are likely coming from different spaces, but I still think that we can transfer the Word of God into how we relationally interact with our setting. And I think uh, I'd like to look at 1 Peter 2 today to help us identify how we can show up as Jesus followers in our workspaces or in any spaces where we interact with other humans. And so as we look at 1 Peter 2, we know that Peter is writing this letter from Rome, and he is sharing the good news about Jesus. And this letter is sent to multiple churches as a form of encouragement. And Peter begins by calling these people into and reminding them of their new identity in Jesus Christ. And he's contrasting that to their old identity. And so in the first couple of verses of 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 8... Peter is speaking of old behaviors, people who are disobedient to God's direction. And so we're gonna pick up in 1 Peter 2, beginning at verse nine. You can join me in your mobile devices and your Bibles, and we'll also put it up on the screen. Verse nine says, "'But you are not like that,' contrasting to the old behaviors. He says, "'But you are not like that, "'for you are a chosen people. "'You are royal priests, a holy nation, "'God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. In these verses, Peter is reminding the listeners that they are called to be different from the rest of the world. It's similar to Matthew 5.13 that says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. And this, this being different from the rest of the world, this becomes really apparent when we think about our work settings. 1 Peter 2, I think, gives us some insight on how we can show up relationally at work. I think in 1 Peter 2, we see that we need to show up with confidence. It says, For you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. The Message Version says it this way, but you are the, chosen, the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him. I mean, consider this. Consider your identity as God's very own possession, royal priests, a holy nation. I mean, those are some pretty impressive titles, right? We read other, in other places in the Bible that we are sons and daughters of the King. Like, with this in mind, I think we should recognize that God uses us, our gifts and our talents, to change the workplaces for the better. We are not haphazardly placed in our jobs. And if we believe we serve the God of the universe who is sovereign and all-powerful and all-wise and all-knowing, knowing the number of hairs on our head, I'm pretty sure he knows where you work. Your current work situation, including your co-workers, are the mission field in which God has placed you. And as such, He who knew you when you were in your mother's womb, He has creatively placed you there with your unique giftings and talents. And He's placed you there to influence and shape your workplace in the best possible way. And I believe that that means we need to show up with confidence. Confidence in who God has made us to be. Confidence in your job, that you are meant to be there. And we have to understand what confidence is not. Confidence is not being a bully. It's not always having to get your way. It's not treating people rudely or disrespectfully. It's not being pompous. Showing up in confidence looks like knowing your God-given talents and using them. Confidence is taking up the spaces that you're meant to take up in the rooms where you're supposed to be sitting. Confidence is using your voice. Confidence is knowing your boundaries and knowing what you will and will not do before situations happen. And so I see that we're supposed to show up with confidence. I think that 1 Peter 2 also shows us that we should show up with humility. We operate in confidence because we know that we are chosen people while at the same time we show up with the full knowledge of who we used to be and, frankly, sometimes who we still are. It says in verse 10, Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. The Message Version describes life this way. It says it's an opportunity to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected To accept it, knowing that we were once without identity, we were once without mercy. We show up knowing that we are in need of His mercy and forgiveness and grace all the live long day, especially with the people that we work with and we spend so much time with. And when you remember who you used to be, you are not so quick to criticize and judge. When you've been there, when you've been faced with those decisions and those situations, you start to slow down how you talk about people and situations. Because you remember. Because you know, but for the grace of God go I. And doesn't the workplace just give you so many opportunities to criticize and judge? Is it just me? I mean, it might be the place where you get the most annoyed the most often. Amen? But God reminds us through Peter's letter that we need to remember who we once used to be and who we sometimes still are. And humility in the workplace helps us remember this. Humility in the workplace as chosen people, though, is not insecurity. It's not fake or inauthentic living. It's not presenting others' mistakes so that you can look better. That is not humility. Humility is acknowledging our mistakes and doing so really quickly. Humility is being quick to forgive. It's slow to anger. Humility is knowing that the office chatter about someone's missteps needs to be shut down because we are all capable of missteps. And confidence and humility is a strange combination. In fact, if you consider confidence and humility as two sides of a teeter-totter, what we're trying to do is we want to find balance, Too much confidence and we fall into arrogance. Too much humility and we fall into self-depreciation. Both arrogance and self-depreciation are detrimental in the workplace. But I think if we were to look for balance on the teeter-totter, we could show up well. And this confidence and humility balance may be most apparent in our relationships in our workplace. But how do, we, how do we practically live this out in the workplace? How do we practically balance confidence and humility as chosen people of God, aware of our identity? Well, we want to think about who we are at work, and I consider some of the things I put down on my job resume, right? For example, I teach group exercise as a part-time job, and I've been doing so for over 20 years, and so, do I show up to teach group exercise differently than my atheist coworkers who are also teaching group exercise? Well, like a, a squat taught by a Christian or a bench press by a Christian is likely the same squat or bench press that an atheist would teach, right? But my faith might show up in the music that I play. What we play as we're teaching group exercise classes. Oh, I think about uh, in my full-time job. Like, will I create an Excel spreadsheet differently than my Buddhist coworker? Probably not. But it might show up when my coworker comes into my office with a medical condition or struggling with infertility. It might show up as she talks to me about it and I tell her about my Jesus who is still doing miracles today. It might show up as I say, Can I pray for you right now? It might show up as I invite the Holy Spirit into the office and I pray for her. It might show up weeks later when she comes back and tells me that she's no longer struggling with infertility or that her medical condition has been healed. That might be different than my coworkers. It might show up as I deal with difficult situations and difficult people or how I respond to office gossip. It might show up as I sit around the conference table and determine policies and procedures that affect the people who work in the organization, especially those who are marginalized. It may show up in how I determine pay rates, or the words that I say, or the way that I use my time, the ways that I use my God-given talents and gifts. I am not in my job or my career or my job for now by chance. I am there for a purpose, and God has placed me there, whether it be a short or a long season. My Christian faith matters in the workplace. My Christian faith, shaped by and modeled after Jesus Christ, informs or should inform how I interact with my coworkers. And your Christian faith that matters in your workplace and you may work with some pretty incredible people. There are some of you here today who are teachers, and you may work with some phenomenal teachers who are teaching and leading so well. But the outworking of how you show up as a teacher in your relationships with your coworkers and your students it should be covered by the awareness of who you are and who you were made to be. Or maybe you work in an office. How you show up each day sets the tone for how things go. Your attitude and your demeanor can drastically shift the way that things happen on any given day. The ways you are honest and hard-working and resilient and full of integrity. People are watching and learning and deciding about this Jesus that you say you follow as you work with them. You work at the utility company or in that government job or at the daycare worker or in food service or in the hospitality industry. All of those spaces, when you show up in in the relationships you cultivate or don't cultivate in those spaces, it should be informed by your role as a chosen people. God's very own possession. And when you decide to be no different from the people around you, participating in the same workplace shenanigans that are ugly or mean or disrespectful, you are sending a clear message to those around you. But when you decide to walk in the confidence and the humility you have been given because you are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, fully aware of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, you are demonstrating Jesus to those around you. And when Jesus came to earth, he brought the kingdom of heaven, his rule and his reign here on earth. But we are living in an in-between time when there are two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, and this means, as Tim Keller says, that as we work in the world, we will make the world better, but not perfect. You know, this uh, this past week, I uh, I started a new job, and I left my job that I'd been at for ten years, which was hard. It was hard to leave a a job I'd been at for 10 years. And I started a new job. And and this sermon was freshly in my mind as I walked up to work on my very first day. And I kind of paused before I went into the building because um, I struggle with doing new things. I struggle with change. And I said to myself, I said, Shannon, you've got to walk in there with confidence and humility because I know that God has placed me in this new season for a reason. And I have to walk in aware of my abilities and skills and talents. I also walk in with humility because there's a whole lot I don't know. And I am aware of that as I walk in. And I had this moment of realization where I get to walk into this brand new job and I can be whoever I want to be. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I said to myself, I need to walk in with confidence and humility to be who God has called me to be. And maybe for you today, maybe you're not starting a new job, but I believe that this morning, God is reminding you that you get to go back to work tomorrow or whenever you go to work next, and you get to be whoever you want to be. You can walk into your office spaces or where you do life or where you have work relationships, and you can walk in with confidence, and humility. You are not there by accident. You are there for a purpose, to use your God-given abilities, to change your office space, not to make it perfect, but to make it better. And so I want to invite the worship team. You guys can come on back up. But as we close today, I am reminded of how, um, you know, I grew up in the church, and oftentimes, Uh, when missionaries were going out, maybe they were going to some other country or they were going to go work for, you know, a few years in some other setting, that oftentimes the church would um, send them out with a blessing, which is so appropriate and so necessary, right? We want to cover our missionaries that are going out into the field. Uh, But this morning I was reminded of how important it is also to send you out to work that God is blessing the work that you are doing in your particular job, in your particular mission field. And for some of you, as you're listening, you you might feel very aware of who you are on Sunday mornings versus who you are on Monday mornings. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is here to kind of just help shift some things in your heart. You have the opportunity to start new, To go in with confidence as a chosen people, but to go in with humility. And so I'd like, before the band begins to play, I'd love to just bless us as we go into work, as we go into our spaces, would you just, if you're able to, would you just stand I want to just give the Holy Spirit just an opportunity to work in our hearts, to remind us that our jobs matter, that our work matters to God, but also that our work relationships matter to God. And so maybe you're here this morning and you have some challenges at work with relationships. Maybe there's one person that just kind of gets at you. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do some healing. Maybe for some of you, you realize that you are not your Jesus-loving self at work. And there is grace and forgiveness and abundance. But I think Jesus is also saying, be somebody different. Be somebody different when you go back to work next so if you feel comfortable doing would you just open your hands as I just pray a prayer of blessing over you this morning Holy Spirit would you just bless these people standing in your midst Lord we recognize that you are sending us out onto mission fields in our different cities in our different spaces in our different office buildings Lord, and that you have called us to be a chosen people, that we are your very own possession. And Lord, we also remember who we once were. Lord, would you just fill us up with the identity of who you've called us to be? Would you remind us to use our skills and our talents and our abilities to take up all the space that you've told us to take up? to use our voice in all the ways that you've called us to use our voice, to speak up and to speak out. And Lord, would you also just remind us with your grace and your mercy, who we are, that in the ways that we have acted counter to our new identity as Jesus followers, that you would remind us that you would pull us back into your grace, into your mercy, into your forgiveness, so that we can start with the power of the Holy Spirit to be who you've called us to be, to do work relationships really, really well. Not perfectly, but better, because we were a part of our spaces. Would you just let the worship fill our hearts this morning, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen.